Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we were introduced to this firebrand prophet known as John the Baptist, as is customary this time of year. We heard about the necessity of repentance and faith along with our obligation to bear fruit in keeping with that repentance as we prepare for our Lord's coming. And um, John was convinced that the kingdom of heaven was near, that it was going to be brought to bear on the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He talked about Jesus' baptism as one that was not just water for the forgiveness of sins and repentance, but one that also brought with it the Holy Spirit and fire. That is to say that at the coming of his kingdom, the king would baptize in the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit through his cross and his resurrection, or in the fire of his judgment. Those were the options. And when John spoke of Jesus before the beginning of the Lord's ministry on earth, he said this, he said, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear the threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into his barn and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And not one of John's words about Jesus was untrue. He was there at Jesus's baptism when the Holy Spirit descended upon him in visible form, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in visible form, the form of a dove, announcing to the world that this was the king, this is the Christ, the chosen one, the Messiah. John was there when the voice of God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This was the redeemer that John and all of Israel were waiting for. No doubt. But now, on this Sunday of rejoicing, we hear John the Baptist singing a different tune. We're in Matthew chapter 11. He's stuck in a prison cell on account of speaking God's law to the wrong politician. He did nothing wrong, and he was only faithful to the ministry that God gave to him. Why did he find himself there? And why, in all the reports that he was hearing about Jesus, did it seem like Jesus wasn't doing anything to bring him justice? Where was the axe at the root of the tree? Where was the purging fire? Where was the judgment that the scriptures promised? Even though John had borne witness to the miraculous events involving the identity of Jesus, his circumstances still produced doubts in him. We can relate. You and I would have questions too if we found ourselves sitting where John the Baptist was sitting. Our situations, of course, are not identical to John's, but as we go through this crucible of life with all of its disappointments and all of its hardships, we also must contend with doubts about the identity of Jesus ourselves. I know that we are in church, and we want to pretend that we would never doubt our Lord Jesus, but our track record suggests something different. It's okay to admit, having doubts does not mean that something is wrong with your Christian faith. It means that you need a word of comfort, a word of promise and hope in the gospel. The question is not whether you have doubts, the question is what you do with them, how you deal with them. 
And in John today, we see the perfect example of what to do with those doubts when they threaten to encroach upon our faith. He sent delegates to the Lord Jesus to ask him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? In other words, are you truly the Messiah? Are you the one that I've staked my life upon? Are you the one that I've pushed all the blue chips into the center of the table and banked everything upon? Are you the one that I have been preaching about? I know what I've seen and heard, but I just need to hear it from you. Are you who you say that you are? And rather than answer in frustration, Jesus gives a word of gospel that he is the one that John believes him to be. And Jesus' words here did not fix all of John's problems and circumstances, but they made everything that he was going through, and even the eventual death that John would die, these words made it all worth it. Jesus' words today are not going to fix your situation, whatever it may be, but they will provide comfort for you. Comfort, joy, from beyond this world. And they will testify to you about the nature of the kingdom of heaven, which is both already and not yet. The kingdom of heaven is already and it's not yet. That's what we're going to examine today. The kingdom of God, that is, the reign and rule of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, is Already. Everyone say already. 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 This was Jesus' answer for John when he said, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus was quoting from Isaiah chapter 35, and then he also quoted from 61 to say that he was doing the he was doing the works and he was saying the words that only the Messiah himself could do and could say. The works that Jesus performed, the healing of the blind and the lame and the lepers spoke for themselves and these all bore witness that this was the Son of God who has come into the world to bring the kingdom of God. And yet, and yet, we know that those miracles in and of themselves did nothing to save. Because even though people saw Jesus do amazing things, they were still hardened in their unbelief towards, towards him, right? It did little to convince them as to who he was. That's because the word of God is always, always more powerful than any works. The word of God is always more powerful than the miracles. It's Jesus's word that regenerates dead hearts and causes dead sinners to live. That's the real miracle, right? Look at Jesus through the eyes of John, stuck in that prison cell. And if you caught the, uh, it's called the introit in the service. It's where I stand before the altar and we read the psalm and we say glory be to the Father and the Son. If you caught in that part of the service this morning, that's supposed to be kind of as if we are John the Baptist reading that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That part, of course, is taken from Philippians chapter 4. Think about John the Baptist, and he's talking about 
rejoicing in the Lord. We've got this pink candle today. It's about joy in the Lord. And there's John the Baptist stuck in the prison cell. And it's, his circumstances are anything but joyful. He doesn't have much cause for rejoicing. And the circumstances tell you that perhaps he should look for another Messiah, another Savior. But then if you're John, and you think it through, you realize who else does the works that Jesus does? Who else has the words of eternal life that only Jesus has? Do not his works and his words bear witness that he is the Son of God? And if that's true of him, it means that indeed the kingdom of heaven has come. But not quite in the way that John and many of his followers expected, let alone his fellow Jews. In his first advent, Jesus came in meekness and in lowliness. In much the same way he comes to us now. In the word and in the sacraments, he comes to us with meekness, with tenderness, with lowliness, to forgive us of our sins, to grace us with his presence, to give us the kingdom of heaven. That's because though Jesus was in the form of God, according to Philippians 2, though he existed in the form of God in eternity past, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, and to be held on to, rather, he emptied himself, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In his first advent, brothers and sisters, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but rather to save it. This is what John had to realize. This is what every one of us right along with him have to realize. That Jesus' coming into this world in the flesh was about him stepping down into our darkness, into our sinful condition, into humanity, to make it all new again. But he would not do it by burning away all of our enemies, by burning away everything that troubles us in a glorious blast of God fire. That was not you know, how he was going to do it. He was going to do it by burning away the sinful nature that is in us. By bleeding and dying for our sins and our transgressions. By giving to us the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. Burning away our sins. Wiping them out in his blood. You begin to see John's expectations turn on their head. Whenever Jesus comes to him and asks to be baptized by him. What kind of Messiah, John might be thinking, what kind of Messiah would need to be baptized by me? So I asked, Lord, will you baptize me. I don't need to baptize you. But Jesus said, no, this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. I'll tell you what kind of Messiah is going to be baptized by John the Baptist. It's the kind of Messiah that would be baptized not for himself, but for every one of us, so that he may begin the work of making all things new for us, to bring that kingdom of heaven to us, and to bring us into his kingdom as we are baptized into his baptism. In the ministry of Jesus, we see the light of God begin to shine into our darkness. 
You begin to burn away all the dross and all the impurities that infect everything, the sin that leads to our misery. The kingdom of God is already. It has come in the person of Jesus Christ, in his works and in his words. And as I say just about every week, the works, the words, the person of Jesus Christ are actually brought to us already here and now in the word and in the sacraments as God's reign and rule is established among us. That's what's happening. That's what's taking place as we speak, brothers and sisters. Right now, he is here. He brings us all those blessings and those benefits of forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and salvation. All of that God displays upon us here and now, even though our circumstances and the trials of this life often cause us to doubt. Even though sometimes in our sinful flesh we can look at the sacrament of the altar and we can say, is that really Jesus' body and blood? God is at work in us. And faith is at our doubts. Because we live, we live by not what we can see, but by faith in God's promises. And He has promised us a kingdom that does not end. He has promised us a blessed eternity apart from any kind of suffering and misery of this sin-filled world. Where an eternity where all is made new. So that raises the question, why is John in prison? Why are you going through what you're going through? It's because the kingdom of God is not yet. Everybody say not yet. Not, not yet. yet. So it's already, it's not yet. The winnowing fork that John preached, the fire of judgment, the vengeance upon God's enemies, the vengeance upon Satan, sin, and death. It did not come in a way that, that John expected, but instead it came upon the cross of Jesus, where he bled and died for sinners like you and me, sinners like John. And because God is far more patient and God is far more long-suffering than any of us can even imagine or fathom he has made a way through the blood of his son for sinners like us to be reconciled to him the final judgment the final punishment for sin and for evil has been delayed because God is not wishing that anyone should perish but that all might come to repentance he has not brought an end to our suffering and to our sorrow just yet because he has not brought an end to the existence of sin and death, which means that he has not brought an end to us. His patience and his kindness towards us in the gospel have led us to repentance, and he wants to continue that work in us and in others. That all might come to confess Jesus as the Lord. John's imprisonment and his eventual beheading at the hands of wicked men were this clear indicator to us that the kingdom of heaven in all of its glory is not yet. In verse 12 of our gospel reading, while Jesus is affirming John's identity to his hearers, 
he mentions that the kingdom of heaven up to that point had suffered violence. That's because in Jesus, the kingdom of God is manifested in this world as a kingdom of grace. That grace that we receive in the word and the sacraments. But one day, church, it will be manifested as a kingdom of glory. Where every eye will see. Where every tongue will confess him as Lord. That's the not yet that we wait for. When Christ will come to save us finally, completely. He will lift us from this veil of tears and sorrow where there is only suffering and misery that produces doubt and we will be with him in the flesh. Faith will be turned to sight. He will have delivered on every single one of his promises to save us, to redeem us, to keep us for eternity. That's what John needed to hear in his suffering. That's what you need to hear today in your suffering. That's what you need to keep on hearing as you go through this life. And maybe you're not going through it right now, and maybe all is peaceful in your life, and we give thanks to God for that. But these words are still for you today because eventually it won't be peaceful in your life. And I can guarantee you that someone in your life needs to hear the good news. That Christ brings his kingdom of grace to us here and now through the gospel for the forgiveness of all of our sins. For the comfort of God and his presence as he brings to us all of our salvation and the gifts of his kingdom. The kingdom is already and it's not yet. Because we wait for Jesus' salvation on the last day, we still you need to hear this. Jesus isn't put off by any of your doubts. Especially when you need to hear his words of comfort and promise. He invites you to come to him. And don't hold anything back. Bring it all with you. Because he, know he knows it's all there. Bring all of your sins. Bring your doubts. Bring your troubles and your worries. All of it. And through his word of promise, he wants to assure you that he is your savior. He is your Lord, your Redeemer, the one who came into the world to go to the cross for you and for your salvation. So after Jesus answered John, he turned, he turned to the crowd that was there listening to all of this, and he spoke up for John. He defended John as the true and the final prophet who would prepare the way of Jesus. Even though John experienced doubts, Jesus was all too willing to confess him as one of his own before the world. And because you trust in him, even amid your doubts, he will never deny you before his Father in heaven, nor before the world. He wants to remind you today of who he is, and by extension, who you are in him. He will say to you, take and eat. This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood given and shed for you. And the kingdom of God will once again be given to you already as Jesus comes to us with his body and blood. And that will be enough for you to make it through today and tomorrow until the not yet comes. And the peace of Christ will guard your hearts and your minds. Jesus.